Would you pray with me? Almighty God, open our hearts to your message this morning so that we may see where you want us to go, serving in love and truth. Amen. Finding our place. The human situation in the world is rather ironic when you think about it. We are relatively frail creatures, yet we have enormous influence. When you consider our greatest physical abilities compared to the average physical abilities of other creatures, humans are not really that outstanding. For example, the current fastest human in the world is Usain Bolt, who ran the 100-meter sprint in 9.58 seconds, which comes out to about 23 miles an hour. The record for running a mile is currently held by Hickam Rouge and is 3 minutes 43.13 seconds, which comes out to an average of 16 miles per hour, very fast. However, when we compare these speeds to the fastest land animals, it doesn't seem so impressive. For example, the fastest land animal is the cheetah, which can run 75 miles an hour for 60 seconds. In other words, a cheetah could run three times the distance of Usain Bolt and still beat him. And it could cover over four and a half miles in the time that it takes for the fastest human to run one mile. Yet despite this superior capability of cheetahs, they have not proliferated across the earth like humans have done. In fact, worldwide cheetah populations have been officially declared vulnerable and recent studies suggest they may soon be on the endangered species list. Clearly, running fast is not a critical trait for dominating the Earth. Although we are relatively frail, humans have dominated the Earth. We have built machines that can carry us across the land faster than the speed of sound. And we have built aircraft that can carry us through the air more than three times the speed of sound. We have mapped every corner of the earth, both above and below the surface of the ocean. We have sent people to visit the moon and successfully brought them back with samples from the lunar surface, and we're preparing to send people to Mars. Humanity has achieved some remarkable feats. According to this morning's passage, this was God's plan all along. The author of this letter to the Hebrews, written sometime in the first century, about 2,000 years ago, says that in the eighth verse in the second chapter, now in subjecting all things to them, humanity, God left nothing outside their control. This author went on to quote verses four through six of Psalm eight, written about 500 years earlier, saying, what are human beings that you were mindful of them? or mortals that you care for them. You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. This idea of humanity dominating the earth goes back even further to the first chapter of Genesis, verse 26, where God says, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
This passage is thought to have been written about a thousand years before Christ walked the earth, and it was handed down orally for an unknown period of time before that. So for thousands of years, humans have understood that they have been given a special role within creation. Of course, we haven't fully lived into that role yet. The author of Hebrew acknowledges this fact in the rest of verse 8, chapter 2. The author goes on to point out that only one person has ever achieved that ultimate level of human capacity, saying, as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, people. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So by comparing Jesus to the rest of humanity, it's striking to consider the idea that people might one day be able to demonstrate the kinds of influence on creation that Jesus was able to accomplish. The Gospels also allude to this situation as well. In chapter 14, verses, verse 12, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. This idea could be viewed with a sense of privilege, but one can also feel quite concerned and intimidated at the notion of having so much influence. When we look at all the influence we've had so far, there are many good things that we have done that have come from humanity, but there's also many things that are not so good. We have built up enough weapons to destroy all life on earth several times over. The durable plastics that we've invented are finding their ways into the oceans and are creating great garbage patches that threaten the marine ecosystem. And of course, there is the well-known issue of global warming that we are recognizing the effects of today. Of course, we have not intentionally manifested these situations, but they're all the results of human activity, human influence on creation. Through hard work, prayer, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we all hope that God will guide us out of these dilemmas and show us a path of peaceful coexistence and restoration of the environment. Clearly, we have learned that we have significant influence over creation, and having such powerful influence requires us to be very careful in our activities. This idea of power and a requisite responsibility it's a well-known principle, principle that's been written about over many centuries and through different cultures. The most recent was in our own pop culture, where it was made famous in the 2002 Marvel Comics movie, Spider-Man. As you may remember, high school senior Peter Parker was on a field trip when he was bitten by a genetically engineered spider. The spider bite gave him special abilities that he used to defeat a school bully. When his uncle Ben learned that Peter had beaten up the school bully, he warned Peter to be careful with his abilities with the famous phrase, with great power comes great responsibility, which has come to be known as the Peter Parker principle. In the movie, Peter ignores this advice, letting a thief escape who had stolen money from someone who had double-crossed him. 
He later learns that the thief went on to murder his uncle Ben in a carjacking during the escape. And then the profundity of the Peter Parker principle hits him. With great power comes great responsibility. This proverb was actually used in many stories and situations over the centuries, probably starting with the 4th century BCE story known as the Sword of Damocles. It was later referenced in 1793 during the French Revolution. People across time and cultures have realized that as much as we want the ability to demonstrate great power, there is an accompanying cost of great responsibility. The one example we have of doing this well is Jesus of Nazareth. The author of our passage from Hebrews this morning reminds us that Jesus, the Son of God, was made lower than the angels for a little while so that he could offer salvation to all of humanity through his experiences of suffering, death, and resurrection. Jesus, the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, who sustains all things by his powerful word, humbled himself by experiencing death on a cross for the sake of humanity. The first four verses of this first chapter of Hebrews beautifully paints the image of Jesus, who he is, where he came from, and what he has done for humanity. This passage, which is actually a wonderfully crafted single sentence in the original Greek, reminds us that Jesus, the heir of all things and creator of the worlds, came to us with a message from God. This is a message of hope, that salvation has been made possible and purifications for sins is available. And through his sojourn to this earthly realm, he experienced everything that we could possibly experience and more. Because of his faithfulness to God, Jesus has returned to heaven to sit at the right hand of God, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs, according to Hebrews. Jesus has given us the perfect example of how to live responsibly and faithfully while having immense power. And having made salvation possible through his fully human experience, Christ considers those who accept his offer of salvation as, as brothers and sisters. As the author of Hebrews states it, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. We give Christ many different names. King of King, Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, and Messiah, meaning anointed. To think of Christ as someone as familiar as a brother may seem awkward giving these exalted names that we usually use for him. But this is exactly what he calls us, brothers and sisters. I think Christ wants to be close and he wants us to be close to him, acknowledging his presence, sharing our joys and concerns, and listening to his advice. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a great deal of potential and a great deal of responsibility. We sometimes make mistakes, as 
as we work on developing our potential. But we know that Christ has redeemed us, offering us grace as often as we are willing to earnestly repent. I also think it's important to recognize the trust that God has given us and the expectation that humanity has perceived from the earliest days has been perceived in our recorded history that we will continue to grow in influence over creation. Therefore, it's important that we continuously reflect on the teachings of Christ and listen for the message of the Holy Spirit. The divine message seems to always include a theme of love and compassion. So caring for the earth and each other is foundational to our role in the body of Christ. When we damage the environment, we have the responsibility as stewards of this planet to work towards restoration and the development of processes that further prevent damage. God will lead us to the solutions that are needed for the issues that we face today. And we will continue to learn more about this bountiful universe, this beautiful universe that God has created. Just as God has spoken to our ancestors through the prophets, God speaks to us today through his son, Jesus Christ, and the message is clear. We are dearly loved. And the more we search for our place in the universe, the more we realize where we belong. Our place is ultimately with Christ in the eternal abiding presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.